Chapter Four of McCabe's Art of Ventriloquism and Vocal Illusions. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lawrence Trask, Mount Vernon, Ohio. InterfaceAudio.com. McCabe's Art of Ventriloquism and Vocal Illusions by Frederick McCabe. Chapter Four: How to Begin and Practice Ventriloquism with Entertaining Dialogues for Rehearsal. As a preliminary exercise, let the learner place himself before a mirror. A standing position is preferable, and endeavor, while in the act of speaking, to maintain a fixity of countenance, a rigidity of the muscles and nerves of the face and lips, so that no visible movement may be noticed in them. As the tonic sounds are the basis of vocalization, let him begin by enunciating the vowels fully forward in the mouth, saying with distinctness and regularity each sound by itself. Ah, a, e, i, o, and u. Next, close the mouth and rest the upper teeth on the inner part of the lower lip. Be certain that the expression is perfectly easy and natural. Then practice the vowel sounds without disturbing that expression. It will soon be discovered that several different tones can be produced on the same vowel. Begin by forcing the sound against the extreme front part of the roof of the mouth. Then force the sound against the back part of the roof of the mouth, the palate, still keeping the countenance easy and natural. Next, practice to stop or shut off the sound by the upper part of the windpipe. In order to ascertain the exact spot here indicated, perform the act of swallowing, and you will find a subdued cluck made in the throat at the precise spot where you can develop the power of speaking inwardly let the above be considered the first and most important lesson to be carefully and diligently practised above all be careful to avoid straining the throat the power of contraction and expansion must be developed gradually after having practised the foregoing sufficiently to comprehend its importance proceed to practise in the same manner to utter the subtonic sounds the consonants d g k l n r s t in conjunction with each word sound thus da de di di do do ga ge gi gai go gu and so on with the rest the consonants b p f v and m necessitate an articulation some degree of facial movement to obviate this they can be at times left alone as in the sentence mind what you are about which by emphasizing the tonic sounds of the vowel can be expressed mind what you are about this mode is necessary when speaking with a full face to the hearer but the better plan to adopt in order to utter more distinctly is to turn the face from them as in profile and then by drawing down on the lips on the right or left speak as it were from one side of the face only keeping an immobility of appearance on that side facing the audience in exercising this profile mode it may be necessary to have the monitorship of some witness to check any facial action now proceed to practice short sentences with due regard to the preceding observation keep the mouth closed with the upper row of teeth resting unperceivedly lightly and firmly on the lower lip 
keep steadily in view the injunction to force the sound first against the roof of the mouth and back part of the palate. When practicing to shut off the sound by closing the upper part of the windpipe, extend the stomach at each abrupt ejaculation, and it will be found to give forth increased power and volume to the sound. The lungs should be always kept amply sustained with a reserve force of breathing power, and each syllable have its due yet economical apportionment of breath. It has been shown that by a voluntary power over the muscles of respiration, the breath in speech is dealt out to successive syllables in such small portions as may be requisite for the time and force of each. In thus guarding against waste, the necessity of frequent inspiration is obviated, and the ability of pausing freely in the course of expiration between syllables and words allows a subsequent abrupt opening of the voice whenever it is required for the purpose of speech. As a means of testing and improving the voice, Dr. Rush says, the act of coughing may be made by a series of short abrupt efforts in expiration or by one continued impulse which yields up the whole of the breath now this last named mode forms one of the means of acquiring the orotund voice let the compound function consisting of an exploded vocality and subjoined aspiration be changed into an entire vocal sound and there will be produced with continued cultivation the sonorous quality called the orotund when freed from abruptness it is like the voice which accompanies gaping a hollow ringing sound different from colloquial utterances by practicing this artificial cough as distinguished from the natural cough its clearness and smoothness will be thereby improved and a good basis will be obtained for ventriloquial exercitation and in discovering vocal force a few weeks practice of the foregoing will enable you to select a tone of voice best suited to your powers having done this practice on that tone and in that voice until your ear becomes well accustomed to its sound and character and now there will be a difficulty to be met by those who are unacquainted with music the question of the pitch of the voice a good ear however and patient practice will overcome in a measure this difficulty the pitch of the natural voice that is its rise and fall will not correspond with the assumed voice for one will be of a higher pitch than the other in ventriloquizing each voice must necessarily possess a pitch adapted to it to maintain a regulated rise and fall corresponding to its tone hence the learner will do well to cultivate one assumed voice at a time and not venture all at once into a medley of voices the quality of the voice must be strictly maintained so that all the tonic and subtonic sounds will correspond to it to mark the differences between it and the natural voice or any other voice afterwards assumed it will be understood therefore that the pitch and quality of an assumed voice must be observed throughout impress well on the ear the exact tone and pitch not only of the natural voice but of the ventriloquial one also when this is achieved great progress has been made and the road to success is fairly cleared to the learner the transition from one voice to the other is then made with certainty and with that distinction which will mark well the one from the other so necessary in alternate conversational dialogues the falsetto voice in ventriloquism is very different from the falsetto voice in singing 
the singer produces it by compression of the larynx the smaller the orifice through which the air is forced the shriller the note but the ventriloquist not only compresses the larynx but directs the sound to that part of the roof of the mouth which communicates with the nose it must be observed that where this voice in speaking is wanting no amount of practice will acquire it if any have this falsetto on the voice it can be made of good use in amusing ventriloquial effects but where it is not it is useless as has been experienced in wasting time and breath in the effort to acquire it the simple rule for this falsetto speaking voice is to practice it according to the preliminary instructions look in the glass keep the face quite still and then direct the sound into the nose this will not only aid in acquiring certainty and celerity in its production but it will give a peculiar tone to the voice which is very effective another effective voice is the guttural whether used as ordinarily or ventriloquially it expresses the most powerful disgust contempt and hatred in exploding this voice abruptly the speaker feels from the vibration of the vocal cords that they convey an intense feeling that the effect must spread wide and whilst the air is assailed with its percussion that it must as dr rush says break through the ear into the understanding and heart of an audience the distant voices whether above or below on the other side of a closed door or outside the window are all produced in the same way there is in fact only one distant voice the place from whence it seems to come must be suggested by acting and the imagination of the hearers will do the rest to illustrate this more fully and show how the judgment of both the ear and the eye may be deluded let us suppose that the learner is about to manifest his powers before a company who it must be remembered are all predisposed to be entertained which very fact renders their curiosity and eagerness auxiliary agents in the illusion because they are going to witness something which contrary to their previous experience goes against the actual evidence of their senses the performer takes his stand at one end of the room the larger the better the audience being at the other he prefaces the subject in a natural easy manner which must be done with considerable confidence he begins by determining the voice which he is going to imitate and in that voice without any attempt at disguise or ventriloquial effect calls out hello by prolonging the sound of the o and holding it steady the note or pitch is ascertained then close the mouth with the teeth as before described and in the identical pitch and tone repeat with force the answering hello shutting off the sound at the back of the throat and at the same time pressing as it were with the stomach the sound upward against the top of the windpipe at the spot where the cluck is made in the act of swallowing if the pitch of this suppressed voice is exactly one octave higher than the open one it will have the effect of the same voice at a long distance or it may appear as from a room above or from the roof anyone having an ear keenly appreciative of the distinctions of sound and voices will be able with very little effort to imitate any peculiarity of voice and manner that may have been impressed forcibly upon their attention wherever there is an intense desire to mimic there is certain to be some latent power which only requires developing such voices as may be with little difficulty so copied are invariably such as a learner can easily turn into ventriloquial illusions 
a natural aptitude for mimicry and expressing the emotional feelings naturally which is in fact the essence of histrionic art are just the qualifications to cultivate in the furtherance of ventriloquial effect this exquisite perception of character feeling and expression is admirably recorded by madame seeler there is a little comedy which has been recently passed from the german to the english stage the title of which is come here a stage manager is represented as examining a young actress whom he requires to express with these two words every variety of emotion from the greatest joy to the deepest sorrow and despair when i saw madame janishek i was quite moved and made to share in the variety of emotions expressed simply by varying the vocal tones the shadowings intonations and tempi of those tones the artist was able to utter these two syllables so as to produce in the hearer one state of feeling after another of the most different and opposite character with a success not to be obtained by the most elaborate and vivid description and this effect was secured simply by the modulation of the voice this demonstrates that the ventriloquist has to acquire even something beyond the specialty of vocalizing inwardly in all or any of his illustrations he has to enter into the spirit of the occasion and has even the double character to play of identifying himself with his hearers in their curiosity acting as their inquirer or spokesman and on the other hand responding without appearing to respond acting without appearing to act he who becomes perfect in all these may rank as a true artist end of chapter four recording by lawrence trask mount vernon ohio interface audio dot com